There's someone who was born and the streak was number one. Someone in 1974 was born. The streak was number one. I guess technically we're all streakers. Like for that first moment, nude in public. Live nudes. Nude nudes. (laughs) All live nude nudes. Down by the airport. Uh, By the airport. That was my idea. Yeah, nude nudes. It used to just be live nudes, but then I said live nude nudes. Well, there's more than one nude I want people to know. There's nudes And they're all nude. Will you still need the podcast and a seed to a finger blast? When I'm 64. <laughs> you kind of have to, right? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we are 64 years old today. The Ear and Loathing podcast featuring the Gitmo Bros. And of course, when else am I going to get an opportunity to uh, play a Beatles song? Not very often, right? No. No. Yeah, welcome to episode 64 of Ear and Loathing, and it's also like a quasi-Thanksgiving episode, because this is going to drop on Thanksgiving. Tea gives. Freeze, turkey. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Nice. How can I soar with eagles when I work with all these turkeys? (laughs) Yeah, right on your desk next to all the Brock's candy in a bowl. (laughs) Right? That's right. (laughs) Who ate all my Werther's? (laughs) No one's ever said that. <laughs> Someone's just Christ. digging around there with their dirty fingers to say, hey, were any worthers? <laughs> so uh, let's see. Your pal Damon is in the torture chamber today. Oh, mm, too bad. Let's talk to some of these Getmos that we have just kind of lying around here. And we're going to start <laughs> with uh, the foxiest media darling who's ever been on, uh, Erin Loathing. Why don't you say hello? Hi, I'm George White, and it's autumn, and I sure like to drink whiskey in autumn. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Why stop at autumn? That's what I always say. Mm. Good point. You ought to not stop in autumn. <laughs> uh, Thank, you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank right. you. And, of course, he is calling in from the North Star. He's my North Star. He is George's North Star, and he's all the whiskey's North Star. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! I was born in Ohio, I grew up in LA, and now I live somewhere else, and that's the story of my life! <laughs> Very succinct. <laughs> Breaking it down. you $250,000 for that story, the rights to make it into a movie. <laughs> Put Jimmy Smith's in it, gets a sexy stand and deliver. <laughs> a sexy stand and deliver. I'd be awesome if they were going to make a movie out of my life for some reason. And then, and it, and it came down from down, from, from up on high, from Lou Wasserman, that it was only going to be made if Jimmy Smits could be me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? You know who he raised his hand is Kurt Russell. Yeah. You go, hey, hey. Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> and they look at him, they look him up and down, they go, nope, torso's uh, not long enough. <laughs> no, it's not long enough, Kurt. Sorry. They got CGI for that shit now. It's like a really long green bodysuit, and then you just fix it later. <laughs> Hey, is this whole picture about green suits and tennis balls and stuff? <laughs> I don't get it. 
So, all right, here we are, the Gitmos, ready for action, as usual. And um, I guess, look, let's get to this real quick. This is going to be a real quickie. Mm-hmm. It's time all right, I'm going to fade that shit out under us talking. I don't, <laughs> don't want to hear the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> I, like I can play sack. it for you if you want, George. I like, I like the sack part. <laughs> all right, let me play it for you, George, because he wants to hear it so bad. Get mo, get mo mail. It's time to check the get mo mail. Get mo, get mo mail. Get mo mail. Now it's time to finger bust our mail sack. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah, like I that's go, that's rolling in at like twenty seconds, and I, here I am giving George the business for his epic, you know, stairway to heaven theme songs and. I, <laughs> I need to taste my own medicine over here. So anyway, my friend Scott M. from San Diego, hmm. he's a friend of Pat's, Aaron. And, and I he's known Pat many years, as I have, but he and I never cross paths that often. Low these many years. All those years. But now we are in touch, and he's a listener of Aaron Loathing. Now, you guys have to remind me. Might have been Aaron when uh, we were trying to decide what was going on with that pet dragon that, that Butch Patrick was was talking about was it Aaron who said didn't he have a <laughs> dragon under the stairs or no, something? I said yeah I said that uh, that he yes. that he lived under there yeah okay Scott has confirmed he just uh, sent me a text he said FYI Eddie's pet dragon did live under the stairs but I didn't hear anyone mention his name Spot including Butch Patrick by the way <laughs> so you were right Aaron um, but it just further made my point that. It still didn't answer the question, whatever happened to Butch Patrick? He was still singing about shit that Eddie Munster, the kid, was doing, you know? So, anyway, right. we, that's that's a ground well covered. But thank you, Scott, for clarifying that for us. Right. And thank you for listening. Uh, we, you know, once in a while we have to do these editorials, you know, where we apologize for making mistakes. And uh, trust me, with the Gitmo Bros, there's plenty of those to come. <laughs> and I'd like to announce, too, that by being right, Aaron wins the grand prize, which is the next time that Butch Patrick needs a ride to the airport, Aaron gets to take him. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll fly into town. I'll go to where he is. You're already at the airport at that point. I'll take him to the airport, and I know where it is. <laughs> Fans just take you to the airport? Yeah, they have a contest, and they get to take me to the airport if they win. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be tortured later, which I'm not looking forward to, but what will, you know, kind of like assuage me a little bit is the fact that I get to control this little segment that we call Kibitz Corner and first our pal Clem and his little buddy um, Gubernatorial are going to serenade you with a beautiful <laughs> song. Here it comes. Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. Alright, thanks boys. I never get tired of that. They're great. <laughs> They've got a specific division of labor. <laughs> the socialism going on over there. Yeah. So I have a new segment that I'm going to introduce here. Right. And now we have all, you know, probably been on, on YouTube and we've seen what they call reaction videos, correct? Mm. Yes. Where it's, you know, a group of black dudes reacting to, you know, Led Zeppelin song or it's little kids reacting to alien movie or something you know there's all kinds of yeah. reaction videos does anybody do reaction videos to reaction videos <laughs> oh yeah I think <laughs> freaking out at somebody's freaking out yeah. <laughs> the biggest videos on youtube are a kid named todd unboxing a toy 
He's four, right? That's the biggest video. Yeah. <laughs> Unboxing Todd. <laughs> so this show is all about reacting. I mean, we react to uh, yeah to songs all the time. So I'm going to get us started with a little theme song here, and then we're going to get into the topic. All right? Let's just have a little fun with this first. And uh-oh, it's another 20 seconds. What did I do? What, what hath I wrought upon humanity? What have this? I done to deserve this? <laughs> here we go. All right, get more reaction. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> it snuck up on me. I didn't know what it was for a second. <laughs> um, I was going to use the Stones version, and I thought, oh, hell no. You got to go with the Devo for sure. Can't get me, no. <laughs> get more reaction. Um, so, and if you guys ever want to do a reaction thing to something and, and get our take on it, go ahead and feel free to use that theme song. It's for all of us. I'm sharing with the entire class. As I was mentioning, we, we're not going to listen to this song because we're going to listen to a bunch of other songs later. But this thing that I'm about to discuss, and I've already, you know, full disclosure, asked the lads to check it out so we could react and I'll be sort of at least a little bit informed about it. This reaction is, it wouldn't even be a torturous orbay, in my opinion. It's just sort of like a, a cultural curiosity that's going on right now. And what I'm referring to is the latest Beatles song, quote unquote, Beatles song called Now and Then, and uh, we're about to talk about it, maybe at length. So if you want to go, you know, pause the podcast, go listen to and maybe even watch the video, because we're going to, I think we're going to discuss both, and then come back and listen to the Gitmos uh, react. So one, two, three, pause. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, it's nice to have you back, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> we waited for you. <laughs> So what did you think, folks? All right, so you guys did have a chance to listen to it. I've got, obviously, pages of notes, uh, and I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> but uh, I'll try to keep it brief. But why don't you guys just start off and just, you know, and we'll throw this back and forth. We don't have to get everything out all at once. Uh, George, what, what were your thoughts about this? Now, how much do you know about the song, the recording of it, and its its history, and how it came to be now? Do you, should I fill people in on that, or do you kind of are you pretty well-versed on that? Uh, I'm well versed as of today on it. I I just seen it on. I'd seen this now, and I knew what it was, and I'd seen you know the name now and then, like on Apple TV, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll watch that. But then today, I did. I listened to it. I watched the official video of the song, and then I watched a 12 minute video of the making of it as well. So I'm, I understand about 1995 and them going in, and George was still alive, and I even watched a video of a guy breaking it down of the difference between John's version and the band's version. Yeah, let me interject real quick. So, yeah. not unlike the 90s Beatles songs that they did for the anthology, which was Free as a Bird and Real Love, mm -hmm. uh, they took another demo of John's that was just him and a piano recorded on a cassette in 1978 or something. And uh, they tried to work on it in the 90s to put on the anthology as well. Apparently, the three of the surviving Beatles weren't in agreement about whether it was going to work out or not so they just abandoned it and only released the two and so then paul and ringo picked it up just i think last year in 2022 and so just the last week we heard the final product and saw the video so sorry go, go ahead george um i uh i'm not the beetle head you guys are but i liked it there was because it was melancholy i liked it i didn't think that 
it was that great of a song. Like, it's an okay song. There was something that captured all the Beatles together. And for me, oddly enough, and maybe it's because I'm a drummer, I'm no Ringo head, there was this one fill or little riff he did. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, that's a Beatles song. And I recognized <laughs> that as a, as it was the drums more than anything. And I don't know why. And, but I, and I saw it later, I felt weird. And then I read the comments and two other people said the same thing. Oh, so cool. at least I didn't feel alone. But there was one thing he did, and I'm like, yep, that's what he did in the Beatles. Right there, that's it. Right. So from that moment on, I was like, oh, I was in. You know, I, I liked it and, and thought it was cool. And you know, and I saw the whole breakdown of it, and I kind of thought, too, that the um, the part they took out of John's, I thought that sounded very much like the Beatles. And after I heard it, I'm like, oh, I wish they had left that in. Some people complained about that, about it not being them taking that part out. It was a, a bridge part. Mm-hmm, right. And I thought of a lot of um, Aaron and Dalton and Dalton going, you should start with that. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, but I can see why they took it out, too, because it was kind of clunky in between the verse and the chorus. Part of it, he was just sort of humming. And, you know, because you guys know it was just a demo where it really was a demo. You could tell that was a guy in the moment just right. thinking of a melody and maybe saying some words. And Like, I'll get back to this song later and figure out that part. Yeah. It did make me... I mean, you know, it, it, I think part of it's in D minor, the saddest of old keys, <laughs> but it did make me a little, it, it was sad. It just, I, I, it made me a little sad as well as that he was gone. Cause I felt like, oh, they, they were interested. They seemed for a minute, I was a little cynical, like, well, why do they have to do this? And, you know, don't they have enough money and whatever? But then I could tell that they really wanted to do it, or at least they, the way it appeared to me, that they really wanted to do that. And I love the stuff with um with George Martin's son, the strings, and I thought that part was cool that they added that it was him because I looked at him like that guy looks like George Martin. Then I realized, <laughs> oh shit, that's his son. Right. And <laughs> overall, it was a positive experience for me, and I liked the song well enough. Although I didn't think it was the best Beatles song ever, and I'll comment later about why I think that is. Now you guys talk some. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead, Aaron. What are your initial thoughts? Just sonically, uh, just from a song perspective, I found it sweet. It's it's very sweet, and it, as a lifelong Beatle fanatic, it it makes me feel the way it ought to, taking everything into consideration. And that phrase is also connected to apparently the last time, so like years later, uh, the last time John and Paul saw each other. Paul had come over to the. Uh, Dakota and was leaving and John was hanging out the door barking at him as he went down the hallway and what would be the last time they ever were together and he was like think of me every now and then old friend mm-hmm. uh, and, I've heard that story and so, yeah and, and it's and apparently like Paul had never really told anybody about that and then cut to sometime in the early 80s and he and Linda were with Carl Perkins somewhere and Carl Perkins played him a song and it fucking just arbitrarily is like has that phrase in it and paul had never really broken down in front of her he's fucking english you know and so he, and he sort of lost it and linda had to explain to poor carl <laughs> oh gee what did i say what did i do and he's like no 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 it's 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 heavy duty for him and it's connected to him and so i think about those things and sonically i think that the story of how they did what they did is perhaps more compelling than the song um like right. how they, you know, it's a me, it's a miracle that they were able to separate the voice and the piano from a dusty ass tape. Like it doesn't make sense, you know. It's it's nuts, and so that's that's crazy good. And I love the drum sound compared to 
the real love and free as a bird drum sound. I thought that that was far too Jeff Linney. I like those mm-hmm. songs better, but I thought that the drum sound sounded bummed me out. So this drum sound sounds like more more like my guy. It sounds and therefore it sounds more like the Beatles to me. It was very moving. I was talking to Andy Levy about it, and there's the uh, he hits the sus four chord in the uh, all because of you. That note is very sweet to me and very moving. Um, I don't know why. I'll put my big negative on here now. <laughs> what I don't know is what, with all them Beatle bucks, why did they use as the image on iTunes for the song an image that looks like something an ant would choose to, doc, to, to like put as a yeah. thumbnail on a PowerPoint of a 2008 family reunion? Yeah, exactly. I, I thought the same thing. You're exactly this right. Very like, what odd. Is that? Like, it's very odd. Oh, my God, they have all of the money. Like every, every piece of money yeah. they have. That's funny. That? <laughs> yeah, in fact, I actually pulled that picture because I was going to send it to you guys in case you weren't really sure what you were looking at because that is the official like cover of it. And you're right. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. It's like it's the slideshow at somebody's memorial service, <laughs> yes, and it's actually yes. titled "Now and Then" because it's a bunch of pictures of this person when they were a kid yeah, in 1994. Yeah, it looks yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah. yeah. Like you made your own um, your own CD cover for your mixtape. <laughs> And like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's no explanation for why that is so shitty. And it's like the worst font. It's like Times New Roman or something. It's and you just, only have two Beatles to satisfy now. Yeah. Like, and they, and they, and, and Ringo would probably just agree with Paul. Like, no one could be asked to pose for anything or to do anything or create something new. Maybe it was so, I mean, why not just flat black and the, in Beatle font? What they're trying to stay away from is, is mournful. The fucking video. Uh, I love much of the video, but. All the weird adding George and John in was very, it threw me off and it seemed to undercut what is powerful about the song, which is, it's sort of mournful, but they're so concerned about being mournful and wanting to keep pressing the, no, 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 they loved each other. They were fun. They had fun together and they liked being with each other. Right. They yeah. seem to be stepping on their intentions yeah. to me sometimes. Uh, like the stuff with John being wacky, like behind. Yeah, the, like and I, yeah, I right. love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. But like, we yeah. don't need to see them doing the goof dance, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always to make the point. But and by the way, we've seen that goof dance before. They've used it. Yeah, you know, and I, I suppose it's nice. But like, and I also would have chose to do the whole thing in black and white. But they're trying to get away from mournful. But those same decisions were made by the person who decided on that image for the single. <laughs> and it was Kath. <laughs> yeah, it was very much Kath. Like, no one else could be bothered by it. They're like, I've got to go on the road, dude. I, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because it's it was weird to me in the video and the recording of the audio as well that Paul and Ringo couldn't even be bothered to be in the same room. That bothered me too. Right. I, when I saw that, I'm like, "What? Why couldn't he come? Like, what?" Yeah, like Ringo's in L.A., I guess, and he so he recorded his drums and and his video performance in L.A., right. and then Paul was wherever. Okay, Paul's on tour. I get that, but it's like, I don't know. These guys have more money than than God. They have access to private jets, don't they? Yeah, like you know. <laughs> yeah, and this is a Beatle project. This isn't something else. Yeah. If you're calling it a Beatle project, drop everything. Yeah. Do the Beatle project. Let it take a week yeah. to do the video, right. and then everyone leaves. You, you know? get the room service. Splurge, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Last Beetle project, you know. <laughs> it's like they spent so much fucking money and had to create technology to separate the piano and the voice that they're like, I can't be bothered to sit through any other part right. of this. We actually ran out of money, so we have to just go <laughs> film film ourselves in our in our basements and also not design a cover. 
There's no more money. <laughs> Baby, we used to be a rich man. We can't, we can't <laughs> afford the budget. this. They <laughs> blew the budget. The goddamn piano. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen what we were going to put on there, man. Fucking amazing. <laughs> Would have made Sgt. Pepper look like the White Album. <laughs> they, but they had access to... Nine billion great artists on the planet who would gladly work for free Die, for the dude. Beatles, yeah, you know? Dude, and also, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the video, uh, I'm kind of going to jump all over the map here, but just because you, you said that and we're talking about it, um, I was looking at comments under the under the video itself, because sometimes <laughs> you can find some gems, and sure enough, I did. And this is a comment by, believe it or not, this guy's name is Another Aaron, <laughs> spelled <laughs> like our pal Aaron here in the Gitmos. And this guy's quote was... <laughs> So this music video is like really awkward and bad, right? <laughs> like the biggest <laughs> band in the world and Peter Jackson couldn't have found someone that would make this look better <laughs> than an intern's first iMovie project. <laughs> yeah. It's very strangely bad or like, you know, goofy. You yeah. Know, not treated. That's why I was like, baby, just filter this all black and white. All of this footage, it'll yeah. just make it a little bit more cool. And melancholy, yeah. Captures the moment. <laughs> yeah, and heaven forbid, though, they're, they're, but they, they're afraid of the melancholy, is my assumption. And they don't, well, we don't want to be mournful, do we? But it is, though. You yeah. know? I mean, the song itself is such a melancholy tone of it. It's so, it's any, that's what it is. You yeah, yeah and let it that. fucking sit there. <laughs> let it sit there. Let it be <laughs> that, man. What's wrong with that? Seemed to be the intention of John's, like reaching out for. Or considering reaching out to his friend or to his woman or missing his mom, you know, like all these things, they weren't goofing around. Yeah. Strange. The other thing I wanted to say about the cover is is to quote Bobby Fleckman. There's nothing on that goddamn cover. <laughs> <laughs> Except for those weird triangles and then everything's at an angle. <laughs> I don't understand any of it. It's it's nuts. And it's all like that like it's uh gradient shading, like it's all corny. <laughs> weird. Maybe there's some sort of hidden meaning to the design like you know, John used that font and sent the other guys a letter or something. I didn't, they didn't have fonts like PCs or anything back then when he was still alive. But for the, even if there's some rational explanation for it, it, it's still a bad idea because no one knows that explanation. All Do the seeing, fucking tape itself. The tape itself with his writing now and then on it. Done. Done. Yeah. It's fucking that's great. That's a good idea. Right. It's fucking great. And we all know... We all know he's not alive, and that's the story behind that, and no one would be bummed about that. Everyone would go, right. You know, I think I just figured it out. Here's what it is. Remember he was saying it was top secret, and they lied to the orchestra? Right, right. So maybe that was just a generic thing they had. A placeholder, yeah. Yeah, so they wouldn't, so no one wouldn't think it was something (laughs) They certainly wouldn't think it's a Beatle fucking thing. And then just went, and then they, and then they got to the end, they're like, let's just use that then. Like, what? Perhaps the most moving part of the video for me was as Paul's voice getting very little when he goes, I had to lie to them. Just told them who was one of mine. Right. <laughs> as if that right. would cause no stir. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a fucking Herman's Hermit's reunion with none of the guys. It's fucking Paul McCartney. <laughs> uh, I thought we were going to do a Beatles thing, a Beatles reunion, you know, with the, with the voice of John Lennon. But it's, it's just, just Paul, Paul McCartney. So yeah. fuck it. Who cares? I'm not even going to bring my good bow. <laughs> Well, something that you said earlier, I mean, I want to talk about the production a little more because uh, Aaron was talking about how the, the original drum sounded and stuff like that. The quote I have here in my notes, three words, Jeff Lynn stank. Yeah. This is getting into the weeds a little bit. And it's something that I regret doing on a lot of the stuff I recorded over the years because I don't know why the Jeff Lynn model sort of 
permeated out even like you know local musicians but just the fact that there's two guitars strumming on either side of the stereo mix those acoustics which is something the beatles as a recording unit would have never done in a million years Oh, it was him and George, right? I wondered about that. They open it, and they're both strumming guitars. It's a total right? Jeff yeah. Lynn production decision. And I love ELO. I love ELO, too. <laughs> I don't want it mixed up with my Beatles, though. Yeah. And for comparison to... Because I thought, okay, if I wanted this to sound like... Like, if the Beatles had come to me, which I'm assuming they thought about it. I was at least on the short list of producers. Surprised they didn't. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You just weren't available. Yeah, right. At least for the cover design. You've got ideas. Guys, I'm I'm recording a Gitmo session, so I can't be there. Um, I thought of the, a few songs that that would God, like the fucking activity in my neighborhood right now. I got a dog barking, a fucking is, truck. Is there, has there up. been an accident, Damon? Are you okay? Is there is there a bulldozer? In the front? Yeah, there's something going on in the world, man. We've had a couple of weird things the last two nights, man. So I don't know. Thanksgiving. I just had some turkey Jehovah's Witnesses show up and give me a watchtower. Um, I was thinking of what song to listen to the production. It had to be a John Lennon song. It had to be kind of the similar tempo or feel to this song. And it had to be a Beatles song. You know, obviously, this isn't a Beatles song. This was written and demoed way after the Beatles. So then I thought, okay, let me listen to a, a Lennon solo song that was, you know, kind of in that same era as well. Which is what I would have done to figure out how would I produce the song. So I listened to I'm So Tired off the White Album. Which is kind of the same tempo. It's a Lennon song. Dig a Pony off Let It Be is more of a waltz, so it's not the same groove necessarily, but it's the same sort of kind of feel of, of this now and then song. And then I also listened to Woman from Double Fantasy, which is about the same tempo and the same kind of feeling. And across the board, and this is a Beatles hallmark, was is that you knew what you were hearing when you were listening to a Beatles song. You may not know exactly which guy's playing which guitar part or who's playing the piano or something, but like there's the piano. You know, I'm listening to Hey Bulldog, there's the piano, there's the guitar part, there's the bass, and there's the drums. And if there's orchestration overdub later, fine, you could distinguish that as well. Those three songs I just named were nice and clean, produced, you could tell what everybody was doing in the song. And then the second you hear this thing, it just sounds like, can't get the Jeff Lynne jizz stains off of this, you know? (laughs) And also, like, the piano sound is very modern. It's got that kind of warble to it. It doesn't Mm. sound like what a Beatles piano is. And, and, you know, again, I know that it wasn't intended to be a Beatles song. It wasn't written back then or anything. But if you were at least trying to throw it back, I I get in the 90s, like, George probably wouldn't have been involved if his pal Jeff Lynne wasn't on it. So, And then Paul ended up working with Jeff Lynne later anyway, as did Ringo. So they apparently liked that sound. So fine. But if you didn't have Jeff Linda sort of hanging over your shoulder, couldn't they have gone back to get a cleaner Beatles sound? I don't know. It would have been nice to hear an attempt at that, or maybe release a couple different versions. They're the fucking Beatles, after all. They could take as much time as they want to do it and get in as many producers in as they want. But like we said, they blew their budget. They didn't have an artwork budget or a video budget. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't have any money left. Going to Capital costs a lot, okay? Who's going to go to Capital and ask for more money? You? I don't think so. <laughs> but like to that point, it's sort of what happens when you can't play as a band. It's sort of the consequence. I, I show you don't stand so close to me 86 because oh. Stuart got hurt. And so they couldn't jam. He fell off his fucking polo horse. 
It oh shattered his collarbone. And so they couldn't fucking jam. And so bring out the fucking programs, bring out all that shit, which is why it sounds the way it does, or part of the reason. Uh, one guy's reaction video I watched, he had a, a good point. Between him talking about how much he was crying. Uh, no, but his point was like, they're taking vocals from the 60s because they did sample the Beatles harmonizing from Beatles songs. Oh, because, right? I saw all Because that. and uh, yeah, yeah. Here, There, and Everywhere and a couple other ones. If yeah. all that's true, then why the fuck is there so much goddamn Ringo on the backups? Like, <laughs> that's unnecessary. And they never would have done, speaking of something they never would have done back then, anybody that were doing any group backup vocals unless it was like Bungalow Bill? Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's no reason to have Ringo in that threesome. That's just the I wa- three of them. I wondered about that. I'm glad <laughs> and you did that. I wondered about I'm like, why did, did he, I feel like I never saw a mic on near him by the drums, except right. when he was singing Yellow Submarine or whatever. Right? <laughs> when it was time to record three-part harmonies, they sent Ringo out for fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, we're all set, Ring. Thank you, Richie. <laughs> Bye. But then they, they had the 60s vocals. This demo was a cassette from the 70s. And then they had uh, the beginning of the production was from the 90s with George playing his parts. And then they finished it in the 2020s. So, of course, you have to, you know, kind of lock everything into a click. Right. But still, I felt like, first of all, back to what we were talking about before, Ringo and Paul not being in the same room, you're you're automatically not going to get any sort of Beatles feel to me at least. I know a lot of people think this this sounds like the Beatles. Look, I'm probably a bigger Beatles fan than 99% of the people listening to this. I don't care how big of a Beatles fan you are. I'm probably bigger than you. I don't think this sounds like <laughs> Beatles at all. You know? Oh, yeah. It was just just some weird decisions they made. I thought the lyrics were they took on a, a poignancy later because of that what could be an apocryphal story that that story just seems to fall too neatly into that now and then my friend uh carl perkins story well, and everything the, it's just it's, yeah yeah that's yeah. so mm, whether that's yeah. apocryphal or not and then and then john happened to write a demo called now and then and it's just the whole thing just seems too convenient right. to me it seems very convenient for sure like it seems like and and people like to put themselves in the middle of history and so carl I think that I read it in an interview with Carl Perkins. As did I, yeah. You know, and so I think that's what this, where the source was. And so it's only one step away from the truth, but who knows what the dynamic was. <laughs> yeah, and people could just be remembering it wrong. You know, he, sure, Carl sure. could have, or maybe lent, Paul remembered what John said to him. People forget things and people get uh, a little, I mean, for a long time, I thought I played drums in the Monas. And it turns out that's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you had. I mean, I did for some time. <laughs> yeah, I wish you had. <laughs> Any chance we could go back? I know. I would have got some chicks or something. Some finger blasting <laughs> yeah. going. Um, and I thought the lyrics were pretty stupid, I guess, is my point. Was like, you know, in defense of John, he might not have been done writing it, you know? Uh, now it wasn't. And- that was a demo. That was just a yeah. him going through it. Yeah. Now and then I miss you. Now and then I want you to be there for me. If you go away, you'll never stay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like these were just more, you know, like some of his codependent Yoko lyrics where he, you know, if she was right. out of his sight for 10 minutes, he started writing all these songs, how he missed her. So when it takes on a new kind of level of emotion later, when you... you He's singing to Paul all these years later. No, he's not. It's no. more dumb Yoko lyrics. I would always think that there was a, the dynamic of their relationship was such that like it was 
my impression, judging by the way he was and appeared to be so outwardly cynical, is that I think it hurt him to feel a reliance and a love for this other person, meaning Paul. And as a result, and like, and he's the only person he ever chose to be his partner in his professional career, and everybody else came along. But like, I think it's challenging for someone who is so, who has been so hurt by parents. His dad was a rotten egg. The whole situation with his family was rotten. It probably hurts very badly to imagine that you're so reliant on somebody emotionally and artistically. He just transferred that codependence on Yoko, you know? He always needed someone like that in his life. And then he couldn't get the piano separated from his voice. They had to invent technology. The cassette was codependent on the piano. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, we we can wrap this up, but before I, I continue to shit on this, let me, I'm trying to think, it's a nice song. It's a nice melody. Lennon was, yeah. was very good at, at those kind of like piano ballads. They did sort of make this into a cohesive, coherent piece of music. I just, I don't like this kind of zombie Beatles shit that they're doing these days. The other thing that bothered me was the fact that there's a bunch of people in the Beatles camp, whether it's Giles Martin or Harrison's son or Lennon's kids or whatever saying, yeah, my dad would have loved this. You know, John would have loved this. George would have loved. No, they, George hated this song. The reason why they stopped working <laughs> on it in the, in the '90s was because George said this song wasn't as good as the other two, and he didn't want to work. So it was on rubbish, it. I believe, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. I'm not. I don't necessarily agree with him. You know, uh, I don't. I think it's as good as as free as a bird as far as his composition. Real love is still the best out of the three, if you ask yeah, me. Easily. Yeah. yeah. But um George was a notoriously grumpy guy, and who knows if he would have gotten grumpier over the years. So I don't. This, yes. this kind and of <laughs> also how much banging their head against the wall did they had they must have done because it is like gold to have this access but then if you know if you spend months as a fucking ex beetle a months on a how can we separate a piano from a voice and then you just in the song's already a bit eh. And so then you just start to be like, I fucking hate it is what I do. <laughs> right. I bet that's what and no wonder George had no time emotionally. Why are we yeah. bothering? Yeah. And who knows if, if Lennon would have even wanted to participate in this, you know, he didn't, right. see, he was a little bit crusty about the Beatles as well. I mean, again, that was decades ago. He may have softened up a little bit, but obviously they wouldn't be doing it if John was still alive. It's the only reason they have to go back to this demo is because of that. I get the, the logic disconnect there, but I don't buy that they would have loved doing this, you know? Oh, you mean if he was alive? Yeah, I mean, that's what their sons kept saying is, is you know, um, dad would have loved this. Dad would have totally been on board to do this. Well, they have to, everyone needs to get on board and say we, the new rap now is that every the Beatles loved each other. And that's what we're saying. That's the line everybody must toe. The company line. They, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. And like, it makes me happy that they say, like, I want to think of them loving each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to have a happy ending to it. I, I do. Yeah. 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 I'm happier to be happy, even if they're fudging it a bit. But I also believe that like, no one knows how people are when they're alone, you know? And like, I'll bet it was often a lot sweeter than anyone has any knowledge of because no one knew how it was to be a Beatle except for those fucking guys. Mm -hmm. So despite the venom, despite fucking everything that when they were just alone, the little safety that they must have felt with those four people is just astonishing when everybody else wanted something from them, you know? I mean, at least they had each other. Like we talked about with the King before, the fucking Elvis had fucking no one, Right? fucking no one. The Memphis Mafia douchebags. Yeah, dude. So at least, thank God they had each other. They were all equal to each other. That was the thing. The king didn't, Elvis didn't have his equal to him, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. No one, no Can't one. Can't look at the other guy and go, remember that? And, you know, you- Yeah, you, and, and, and have an equal thing about it. Not like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. king, it was great when you did that. It was so funny. 
you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Plus yeah. those those Jordanaire dummies. <laughs> <laughs> a real friend would have kept those fucks out of there. <laughs> yeah. But you know, look, I, I, it's it's a compelling piece of technology, and and there's there is a lot there is a lot of sweetness there, and I like the way it makes me feel in a lot of ways. I you know feel all those other things as well, and I think it makes it for an interesting conversation because of that. You know, and I think it's hilarious about the cover. I think it's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny to me to expand on why. It is the way it is, and how it just ends up clearly that no one could be fucking asked to think about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, fucking, that's it. <laughs> it looks like that. That's not even being catty. It literally looks like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> probably younger listeners, of which we have zero, but there is this thing <laughs> called uh, CD labeling kit you could buy. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what it looks like. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say earlier. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And it, yep. it came <laughs> with its own kind of like disc. So you, you could move the uh, text around and it only had like four fonts to choose from. Yes. You know, and it's a stupid background design. You had to have a color printer. That's exactly what it looks like. You know? Yes. Yeah, like when you made a mix CD in like 1994. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but it looks like there was an ink shortage in what they ended up on. <laughs> They needed to get some more cartridges, and they couldn't even afford that. Honey, did you get the toner? I, I'm making this Beatles mix. You did. We only have purple and light blue. That's all we have. That's all. We, I don't have magenta. I gotta do this Whatever this, this fucking. I don't know. I don't have any orange. Get Barbara Bach to get out there. Go get some fucking cyan. Some indigo. Or else we're fucked. I love that we're that they go all this technology and Peter Jackson and all this stuff and we just shit on the on the, on the, <laughs> the <cover>. amazing technology <laughs> sucks his sucks his fucking thing off a, a tape recorder from nineteen seventy seven <laughs> and a Memorex tape, whatever that is, and we're shitting on the fucking the shitty cover. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? Yeah, but the cover's stupid. <laughs> no, that, that cover's an atrocity though. Come on. It, 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 it's it, a, it it's is. A, it's it it's insane. I would rather see that that naked John Lennon Yoko Ono cover <laughs> any day of the week than this. Yeah, when when you sent it, Damon, I was looking at the th- and I'm like, what is this? Why? Is this- yeah. Why did he say like? Me where this? did he find this? Is yeah. this the real? I wasn't sure if it was real. I'm like, is this the real one? Like- is Damon trying to get a job at fucking Kinkos or some shit? What is this? What is the meaning of this? He must have been in a hurry. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there you go. That's that is Gitmo reaction, and uh, I'm glad we got to do this. That was pretty fun. I thought Gitmo reaction. <laughs> You want me to play it out? Yes. Okay, sure. here we go. It's a gitmo. Gitmo reaction. It's a gitmo. Gitmo reaction. Gitmo reaction. Gitmo reaction. Oh, so good. There you go. I imagine three little turkeys singing that. Singing <laughs> in harmony. All right. Well, you know, playing that again, of course, is me trying to avoid the inevitable where I have to be dropped down, down, down. Down, down, down. Game's got going down. down, down. Torture chain. Okay, I'm not going to bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm going to torture you anyway. Suffering. Anger, anger, pain, torture. 
All right. I am here in the torture chamber. Let's see. If we do the government math, we had, um, let's see, Aaron was in the torture chamber last week, last episode, I should say. Mm-hmm. And did I go first? I think I went first. George went second with uh, They Call on the Streak. Oh, right. That's true. So, George, <laughs> looks did. like you have to go first this time and let me have it. Here you go. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this one, um, I'm going to let it play, but I'm a little bit of a walk up. This comes from the department. And it's a very familiar department here at uh, Getmo HQ. This file is is thick, and to <laughs> use a cliche, it's uh, inside. There's a rap sheet as long as your arm, and it is from the uh, is from the cocaine is a hell of a drug file <laughs> department. <laughs> and it and, is too. And that you know was, what I mean. And that was directly acknowledged by the writer and performer of this song directly. They said, yeah, this is just cocaine. This is what this is. <laughs> and this is a very well-known artist. This is a deep cut off a, uh, a 1982 record called uh, Jump Up. And uh, please enjoy this. I think you'll, you'll know from the – these guys are iconic. This is an iconic voice, and you'll know it right away, and you won't believe this happened. <laughs> but it did. <laughs> All right. You guys ready? Yep. Yeah. Here we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. again yeah go around again it sounds like you know it's it's asia or something right a little bit yes just uh, that that keyboard in the beginning and the big rocking guitar 1982 yeah aaron you don't know this do you no 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 i was thinking that it sounds like uh, a journey having a having a fit yeah It'd right. be impossible for you to know who, know, just from that to know who this is. Yeah, there's was. no, that's it's what I'm saying. It's not who you think it yeah. is. Right, it's not right. who you yeah. think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Those chords, Aaron, are so, um, you know, Robert Tepper. It sounds like yeah. that, that mm-hmm. era of time, the dramatic, you know, man on the go, too much coke, you know. <laughs> yeah, Rocky Balboa chucking yes. his fucking helmet at a statue. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right, here we go. What the hell is that? So, do you know who this is? It sounds like Freddy. No. Okay. Close, but I I thought you guys would know right. Aaron, you've no. seen it, Damon, so you know. But yeah. Aaron, you don't know. Okay. Keep it going a little more. And I can read the lyrics to you if you want to hear them. Oh, boy. This Okay. Well, I'll say what I'm thinking in a second here. <laughs> okay. She's got a sabotage on the silver key to a is that Elton John? Yeah. It is. <laughs> That's probably why I thought it was Freddie for a minute. So um, we're not to the chorus. I'm, I'm gonna let the chorus hit you because it's, it's. Is Bernie it's, involved? It's, it's, he is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> full full bore. Wrote it with him. Everything. I'm gonna let the chorus hit you because brought the coke. It goes even worse in the chorus than you than you think it's going to. You know, I've always thought that Elton was some sort of like necromancer who who could take his the shitty Bernie lyrics and make a great song out of it. 
his melodies were so good <laughs> that that you didn't mind the lyrics you know bernie's sort of like half-assed garbage that he would spew out but elton's not even able to do anything with this i mean that what a st- that long note he just did was so annoying i know it's that's such an odd choice i wanted to bring that up yeah at the, at the end of each verse he has this long it oh he does go it more than you- once yeah, well, there's not much, a, lot, a lot of lyrics in this except for the title of the it song. It sounds like he's been up too long, too. Like, his voice is ripped to shit. You know what I mean? It sounds like he's been singing into crap monitors for an entire night, and then they cut the track. Well, they did They did talk about in this about how he sang in a, um, a, a, a lower voice. This was the first time he did it. It was on this record. It sounds like he's singing in the control room where the good coke is. Yeah, he, <laughs> oh, he, the good coke's with him, believe me, friend. <laughs> all Reg gets the good coke. Yeah, so... <laughs> Wait to hear this chorus. I don't think you're going to fucking believe it, but go ahead. It's coming right now. Should we save the title, uh, George, for when we get to the chorus, or do you want to tell Aaron what it is to listen for it? No, no, this, he, he's going to know it. It's coming up right now, okay. so just let, let, let it hit him. Okay. <laughs> Man, Aaron, can you tell what he's saying? Is he saying I used to rumba? I can't. I can't. <laughs> I need to rumba. No, I, I'm your robot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this song is called "I'm Your Robot Man." You really should have called it "I Used to Rumba." <laughs> what if it's it like looking be- back on a day of, of of dance halls? Well, now the lyrics. So I'll read this. So the verse is: I've been beaming aboard her for a light year from a strange craft. She's got a subtle touch on the silver key to a clockwork heart. I am your robot. I am your robot. I am your robot, man. <laughs> yeah, the more shitty Bernie Toppin lyrics. You're so mean to Bernie. I God love please. it so much that he's just yelling, I'm your robot. <laughs> Aaron, that, that verse isn't too far away from some of those classic Elton John songs. You know what I mean? Like, one of my favorite songs of all time, I think, is the, is the most magnificent melody I've ever heard is Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And then when you read the lyrics, you're like, God, I'm glad I didn't know these. Before I heard the song. (laughs) I like a lot of Bernie Tuffin's lyrics. All right. He's got some okay, but, you know, stop clock is right twice a day, as you know. (laughs) This, this, though, uh, qualifies as the bottom of the the Coke sack. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, please let this chorus roll some more so we can laugh at him just screaming robot at us. (laughs) And by the way, I, I would have actually enjoyed this a lot more if he pronounced it robot. Robot man. I'm your robot man. Yeah. <laughs> Would have redeemed everything. Sure. And then got Jack uh Jack, Jack Warden for the for the video. <laughs> <laughs> the barrel chested actor, Jack Warden. Hugging his robot girl. Never lean, Jack Warden. And he always no. had it, his pants his pants went up to about his clavicle. <laughs> Every pair of pants he ever wore. <laughs> Nobody wore coat shorts better than him in Heaven Can Wait. Nobody. Yeah, no, those Nobody. are the best. The best, dude. The bike shorts. Yeah, yeah, and he tucked tuck those white polo shirts in, baby. Tuck him in. Sands a belt. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still going with that. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> This is 82, so it predates Domo Amigato, Mr. Roboto, right? About the same year. I believe that's the same year. <laughs> a lot of robots. Is it the year? What was the hit on this record? There had to have been one, right? I'm still standing, I bet. It sounds like the same Was production. that on this record? I thought that was one year after. I thought that was 83. 
That is exactly correct, Aaron. Um, oh. the, uh, the hit on this record, to bring us back to where we started with the Beatles, is the um, Empty Garden, Hey, Hey, Johnny, which is about John Lennon. Right. And uh-huh. him being sad about yeah. him dying. And there's yeah. another song called Blue Eyes that was a kind of a hit off this record, but Empty Garden's really the one. Like, there's a mm-hmm. quote from Bernie Taupin. He says, like, this was definitely one of our worst records and uh, just, just abysmal, but it did have Empty Garden on it, so I guess it's worth that. That was his comment about it. Got to say something. All right, Bernie, sit down. I'm your robot, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't. No, I don't know. I don't remember asking for a robot. <laughs> You're going to get more of it. Cue it up. It's like that, back to Rocky. Remember when Polly had that, that girl robot in Rocky Four? Happy birthday, Polly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right. Happy birthday, I Polly. That. I forgot that. That's what I'm imagining is the happy birthday, Polly. There's a lot of robot talk in the zeitgeist back then, for sure. <laughs> well, 82 is when, you know, they first started that where they had like, you know, the, uh, not the, is what the K car or the, you know, all the, all the, all the Chryslers, the Dodges had like, you know, you know, space shuttle technology where if you put the trunk up, it like turned red on the little, you know, schematic of the car, you know, yeah. like it had. Yeah, uh, well, look, it says that like. the trunk's open. Yeah. yeah. Well, I could see it too, that it's open. I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah. Right. But it's on here, right here in the schematic of the it's car. It's light just, though. You're right about yeah, that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, more of this. And also, thank you, George. This is an almost five-minute song. <laughs> this song! This song! It's wait, five wait, minutes! All right, let's, there, there's a thing I'm going to do, and it, it, we're going to get through it. Okay. Just, just go. Okay. All right. God, this sucks. <laughs> It just keeps going. Jeez. It gets worse by the section, doesn't it? He doesn't know what to do. He just keeps, man. <laughs> well, if wow, you knew you were sitting on a, on a piece of shit song, it, it seems like he's repeating all the things way too many times. The intro, that chorus. Yeah, they don't have any material. They just drag when you Yeah, when you've got no material and the, you don't have a choice to not make the record because you already spent. All the money's been spent already. On Coke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're like, well, we had to do something. And all the guys are here. Yeah. And these are all the guys, by the way. This is like James Newton Howard. And this is everybody. All the guys from his band. This is in some part of this record. I'm not sure this song, but Jeff Picaro's on this record. And Yeah. And it's not as if the musicians can't get it together and play yeah. and that they're all, they're all fucking geniuses. But like, yeah. got something about a robot. <laughs> but when you fix uh, those lyrics later, what's it? Right. What's right. Be? Here's part of what Bernie said. He said, how could you, when the guy asked him about it, like a guy from Rolling Stone, he said, how can you bring that up? I don't even remember the song. I just remember the title. And and then he's shrieking with laughter. He goes, it was one of those batch of albums when we were really not doing our, you know, stellar top of our game work. And I just, uh, I'd rather not think back on some of that stuff. (laughs) Nor would we, Bernie. Welcome to the, welcome to the club. All right, so a little more, and there's not there's not a lot left, but there's a lot left, and I'll explain. There's probably way too much left, George. Just yeah. go, I'll, I'll explain. Go ahead. We, I'm sorry, but we do have Bernie mostly to blame because, as far as I know, the dynamic between those two was he would just dump a stack of his dopey lyrics on Elton, and then Elton would just grab one and and see if he liked it, and then he would start writing a song around it. That's how it basically worked from the beginning, correct? That's their division of lay. Hey, uh, Aaron, that sound familiar to you? <laughs> <laughs> All my Coke sucks, though, in comparison to their Coke. <laughs> I had to do that with bad Coke. Yeah. Yeah. No Coke, yeah. which is the worst Coke, really. 
No coke. If George submitted lyrics like I am your robot, Aaron would have blocked him. <laughs> Unfollowed. Yeah, unfollow. This relationship's over. Okay, come on. Okay, go. That part right there. Oh that part. God. Why does he draw that out? Why does he just say negative? <laughs> like, why does yeah. he? It's such an odd that choice, That doesn't right? sing very well anyways, no. even in the best of songs. No, it's an saying odd negative. choice to, do it, to draw the last word out in the verse like that every time. It's very odd. <laughs> you know, there's a, a, a fruit in the, in the Polynesian world. It's, it's called a durian or something like that. <laughs> and it's famously so smelly that people from other neighborhoods will freak out that someone has it someone's using it because they can smell it that's what this that's what this song is like this is like someone's someone's cooking durian in my house and they, and i'm freaking out about it it's terrible let it roll baby Ugh. you went and flipped the sw- did you get those lyrics aaron no no you went and flipped the switch and turned me positive when I was negative. <laughs> well, well done. Well done. I just found the pull, the pull quote for, for the show. <laughs> David doing that. <laughs> I don't have to search, search, no further. There's only one more line before the chorus. So go ahead. Ironically, I'm getting more negative when this, as the song goes on. I'm positive. <laughs> the song is stupid. All right. What does that even mean? I don't know. Cocaine. It just it's just cocaine. <laughs> Everyone in the room had to agree. Okay, the hook of this is you drawing whatever word out like that, and then and then that person who who said that and then wrote that down on the whiteboard should have been invited to leave the room. <laughs> well, I, for there, for keeps. There's a there's a quote. Every from, room. It's a quote from it's, it's a quote from Rolling Stone when they did a small thing on this, and it says. I'm Your Robot came at a time when Elton John didn't quite know where to take his career. He was 35 years old, but he'd already released 15 albums and endured the rise of punk and disco. This was now a time of MTV, New Wave, and lots of cocaine. Throw all those things into a blender, and you have I'm Your Robot. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is astonishing how many records had come from him prior to this moment. Like, how could you not reach a point of saturation? I don't know what to say anymore. No, and I and I looked at all of his '80s, you know, stuff starting from '79, and I mean, the '80s were rough on him. I mean, it was, and he had a cocaine problem almost through the whole thing, and really bad, and he went through a lot. But there's a lot of records that I don't take any any glee in it, but it is interesting to know that someone that great can also go through right. a rough patch of this bad. I love I'm Still Standing, yeah. and I love uh, I love uh, fucking guess that's why they call it the blues. <laughs> yeah, they, they he stumbled onto a couple of things. There was some of the records, not this one, because Bernie had come back for this one, but there's some other ones where he didn't work with Bernie, and, and, and Damon, your hypothesis, uh, I don't know, it's <laughs> it's just as bad, if not worse. <laughs> the, the non-Bernie the, stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's even it might be worse than this. I don't know. This is the top of the heap as far as bad as what I listened to. But did he write them himself or? No, he had other guys he he collabed with, and oh. you know, Ernie Maupin. 
Er, Ernie Merman. I, I can't remember if that was him, but maybe you should have right. called up Dennis D. Young. You want to talk about robots? Yeah, exactly. Oh, about robots. A robot. Oh, oh, shit. I'll be right there. You kidding me? You need more Fuck. Broadway in this, my friend. Don't worry, Gato, my friend. I thought you hated me. Everybody hates me. All right, we're still like not even two minutes into this four minutes. It's okay. And it's okay. okay. I'll explain in a minute. All right, here we go. I am your Like that little quick thing they do right there, I am a robot. Like you feel like that's about to turn into something cool, and then no, and then it just it Doesn't. just falls off a cliff. <laughs> Jokes on you. Yeah. Jokes on you, man. It's a song's about a robot. <laughs> is he saying? Is he saying in the lyrics? I, I'm trying to get something out of this that he's like one because he's behaving in a predictable manner or is he an actual robot Gleepdorp style? <laughs> hard, hard to say. Hard to say. It's just a, it's a lot of words about being a robot. I think it, I guess it means that, you know, he's following some woman around that he's in love with right? and he's just a robot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's not a real robot because they wouldn't have feel love. Yeah. Unless they were programmed to. You, we need to take some coke and then talk about yes. this. All right. This is we're not we're not coming at this. Thank you. We're in the Finally wrong somebody space. with a good idea. We're, we're <laughs> this is utter folly trying to interpret Toppin's <laughs> shitty lyrics. I don't know why you guys are bothering, even coked up or not. You're not going to figure it out. They're dumb. They're they're stupid. They don't mean anything. Another Bernie quote. I suppose you can blame it all on narcotics. <laughs> Who knows? We all had our demons and all had ridden the dragon, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. But there you go. it's not real complimentary of our artistic skills. <laughs> I don't even want no. Bernie being interviewed. You know what I mean? Like that that guy's got not, he's the luckiest guy in rock, if you ask me, ever. <laughs> I swear, like, how else how could else could you come up with this this fucking improbable scenario where this genius songwriter gets a hold of your shitty lyrics and makes constant hits out of them? <laughs> You know, it's just, it's, there's a guy who wrote, wrote for The Simpsons and he wrote a lot. Of, I think he still contributes episode, but he was a big part of the early first 10 years or whatever. John Swartzwelder, I think. Yeah. Was uh -huh, his name? Right. Yeah. And you can't find the guy. He never gets interviewed. He's not in any pictures. He won't get involved in any reunions or go to any like panels to talk about The Simpsons or anything. He just collects his money and fucks off. Bernie, I wish Bernie would have done that, you know? You're responsible for those shitty lyrics, and I want to. You think I want to hear what you have to say in an interview? Well, he didn't want to talk about it in his defense. The people from Rolling Stone wanted to talk about. It. I don't think that Bernie called up and said, "Hey, he wants to talk about fucking I'm a robot." Bro. Terrible moment. He says it's all foggy. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> well, it wasn't like TMZ. Like they they got him coming out of a restaurant or something. He pro they probably <laughs> scheduled the interview, and he agreed to talk. What do you think they bring up? I'm your robot. He said, he, he says in this, oh my God, why are you bringing that up? I barely remember. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't clear. I don't want to hear him talk about anything is my point. Ah, uh, well, there's a difference. <laughs> so what do, what do you mean, George, that we don't really have to listen to the last two and a half minutes? Well, I, okay. This, okay. So let, 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 it, let it roll just a second. Okay. After this. Here we go. Okay. I can talk about Bernie Toppin some more if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Talking Toppin. What is going on? Okay, and you, you can, there's an instrumental part after this, but what I'm going to tell you, you can do, and I think we're at maybe around like 221 or something now. Yeah. Right? 
okay, and it's a five-minute song. Now, if you want to, just do a needle drop anywhere between now and the end of the song and just listen for a minute. And it's just him just doing variations of shouting, I am your robot. There's nothing else to this song. So just do a needle drop like two or three times. Just go a little forward and drop it and then just do that. Do that for me. I'm going to 324. Okay. What the fuck? Okay, now, okay, now, what he did is he's he's vamping out. This is the vamp out, and he said, "My serial number is four four three five seven. Jesus! And I'm your robot, and I'm programmed to love you. But he keeps going. I want you to hit the part. Just see if you can hit it. Okay. By the way, this is uh, there's a credits list on this video. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, this is going to be a fucking knife in your heart. You know who produced this? Chris Thomas. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't bother even noticing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, he'd probably like to have a good time. You know. Jeff Picaro is playing drums on this. Also, did you notice that Elton's so desperate? He's just sort of doing that that like honky tonk piano right there. He's going da 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 da. He's just putting that in. That's in that part. I just noticed it right now. He's, I don't think he knows what to do. Yeah. The faster I get through this song, the faster I can get back to the good coke. Exactly. Put, push push a little forward. Don't let it roll. Like Just go another right. maybe 30 seconds forward. All right. That, that's an editing nightmare. So let's just keep going. Okay. Okay. But different, different ways. And there's one part you maybe don't get to. He starts, I am your robot, 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 robot. Oh, jeez. As far as an improv guy, he doesn't have what, say, Freddie has. You're right. You can't say that the, that Queen didn't have enough Coke. So, you know. They how had you plenty. Figure. You're right. This makes Aaron <laughs> vamping on the end of Betting Man sound like Aretha Franklin. I know. I really had it together. You did. You did. In a in a major way. (laughs) No, seriously, like what you did was cool and interesting. And this is like a guy who does he's he's like he's never sung before. He's he's karaoke or something, you know? Yeah, he's just like burned out of every 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 nerve ending is shot. And you know, when you get to the point in as a musician where like if you had told him many you know, when he was a kid, like someday you'll be sick of this. And you say, never, I can't imagine it. But ultimately you do when there's just so much and then everything just gets burned out and there's no, because you always would say, well, this can't be it. When 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 you have everything, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. And you're fucking depressed. You get, I'm a robot. <laughs> well, that, you're exactly right. In, in, the same, in the same interview, he said, Bernie says, I think we just got tired. We got, it just didn't work. There are so many things you could throw into the mix that made it go south for a while. I really have no idea. It's really foggy. <laughs> It's just so cool that you could theorize, but no one ever would let anybody, but just go away. Go away for a year and a half. But like that was a, such a foreign notion. Bernie took a break. There was two or three records from 79. I mean, not, to, not him, but like just yeah. both oh, stop. Yeah. Like go get healthy. Go go do nothing. Have no responsibilities for five years. But like. But look at all this Coke. <laughs> yeah. You just can't do that. So whatever. Sounds like a shitty way to live. Yeah. 
Uh, is there more joy at the end of here, George? Or? No, it's just him shouting, I'm your robot, or robot, over and over again. <laughs> so give me a little, give me a little more. A little I more. want to see if he does any more funny stuff at the, here at the end. Yeah. Here. It's not Jeff Beccaro's fault. No. Yeah, he's fine. But did, did Elton think that like he would do this live and people would be pumping their fists and going, I am your robot. I don't think they even thought that far ahead. He, they never have done this live. They do, the only two songs they do from this record live sometimes is The Empty Garden and, and then Blue Eyes. Nothing else made it from this record. Uh. There's, there's five other songs in this record that are not this bad, but almost. And they don't have Robot in the title, so that's why I use this yeah. one. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that it has fucking Robot in the title. I love it. I love it so much. Here we go. A little bit more. Sure. That was his opportunity to say robot. <laughs> I am your robot. I mean, say, robot. you say robot, he can draw it out. Robot, 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 <laughs> ro, wo, wo, robot. I am your robot. I am your I robot. Am. I am your robot. I am your robot. 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 All right, is that enough? Yes, it's enough. <laughs> now I'm starting to think about it. Maybe like the the first Beastie Boys album came out a couple years after this, right? Maybe they were that was their kind of like you know they're known for sampling, like to party, <laughs> robot, bot. <laughs> I don't know it's a theory. Can't deny. It'd be incredible if they go <laughs> that came out. Well, it's odd. <laughs> Never think this would be true. <laughs> Got it from Elton. Elton John's deep cut off Jump Up, 82's Jump Up. We were listening to this podcast called Ear and Loathing, and they finally exposed us, so we have to come clean with our fans. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's enough, Elton, please. Sure, all done. <laughs> God, glad, you, glad you enjoyed what it. What a dickhead. Him and Bernie and the whole crew. And their and they're mountains of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Robot. Why ain't he school? I need some oil. I'm a robot. I'm a- <laughs> I got blinking lights. There's just so many things you could do. Does not compute. <laughs> there you go. Why weren't you in there? <laughs> All right. There's a fucking Elton John and his shitty stupid song. Stupid robot song. Stupid robot song. Cocaine robot song. <laughs> Thank you, George, for that loveliness. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> now, I believe A-Dog has something in store for me, and I'd like to hear about it. <laughs> I don't know that I want to say anything about this. <laughs> I think you should just turn it on. <laughs> Damon, I, 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 I want you to try to avoid even looking at it, Damon, because like this is something that it's so preposterous that I'd rather you be surprised by it. Is there some way? Like, Try your best not to look All at it. All right, let me see what, if I can do this. Pretend you're a robot and just shut yourself down, <laughs> yeah. except for motor Kind of just look through like slitted eyes at the thing <laughs> that you got to click on. I am clicking buttons to start the song. <laughs> I am a robot. I have turned off my visual functions. <laughs> <Matrix>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do not look at display. All right. So uh, here, I'm going to try this. I think I got it going, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sounds okay. like it. All right, here we go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like it's like it's like a it's like just 
shards of glass under his fingernails. Wacky sacks. <laughs> Yakety sacks. Yakety sacks. Sorry. Uh, a real song. This is a, a real, real song. song yeah. <laughs> this is a, a Benny Hill song, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Ultimately, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, let's listen to a little bit more because people might not know it. So just like, play it a little bit more, and then we'll talk about it. this. This song uh, is two minutes long. This is like the soundtrack of every every yeah. stupid show you watch, like uh, America's Home Videos and stuff. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Benny Hill, but then there's always like America's Funniest Pets or something, right? Yeah, it became the punchline, which is mostly what I wanted to discuss about it. So like, just play it a little <laughs> bit more so there's a little bit more audio context because people have probably lived a good life and stayed away from this. Uh, <laughs> people who uh, have we lived had, a good life. <laughs> but we had to work it. We were in the fucking cultural mines of the 70s, just working it, toiling it away like West Virginian fucking coal miners, toiling it out, <laughs> dealing with it. All right. <laughs> Maybe this is where my hatred for sax yes. is. This is like a, the, my sax origin story. <laughs> That's right. So here's where I want I wanted to say about it. So the hole that saxophone is currently in was dug by Yakety Sax. <laughs> and then I was thinking that like, you know how OJ, pretty much in addition to everybody else, killed the Bronco for like decades? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saxophone was like mortally wounded and still trying to get back. And certainly like started the the pain train that Damon Pipitone is on with saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> So fucking Yakety Sax, dude, it was released in 1963. I'd reckon that this song damaged our beautiful land as much, if not more, than the conspiracy (laughs) within our government to murder JFK (laughs) later that same year. (laughs) Uh, The cultural, because of this song, like the fucking, wherever the cultural bar was, it just plummeted to the ground. (laughs) Any progress we'd made, right? Yeah, yeah, all this beautiful stuff. And and like what happened is is that because of Benny Hill and because of other shows, comedically this became the punchline. And it also became good enough for the room. So like a room full of people, this became just like, well, that's good enough. And Yakety Sax is like the audio equivalent of good enough. It's good as the enemy of great and Yakety Sax shows how low that fucking bar really is. Yeah, it was almost like like canned applause, like People are going to think this is funny if we have a laugh track going. So uh, people are going to think this is funny if we have yakety sax playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. And then the, when you start thinking about it from those terms, you're like a low bar. It's just, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it makes Ray, Ray Stevens seem like Ray had something going, you know, <laughs> something going. he was putting together a storyline. <laughs> yeah. At least he, he had was, something. Yeah. At least right. he, yeah, he rhymed he, physique with streak. You know, yeah, yeah, it took something. The best thing about this number is the dude who wrote its name, and that's Boots Randolph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so his take, uh, uh, Randolph's take on the piece was inspired by the saxophone solo played by King Curtis on the Coasters 1958 recording of the Lieber Stoller song Yakety Yak. Uh, the tunes are similar and both feature the yakety saxophone sound. <laughs> I was going to ask that and I thought it was impossible that the yakety yak bow, don't bow, talk bow, back. Bow, 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 bow. Yakety yeah. yak don't talk back. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're being funny. Oh my, I didn't realize that. That makes me matter. <laughs> yeah. The coasters were great. I mean, those, mm-hmm. the, and I love yakety yak and I love all their songs. And then this guy just sort of, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. <laughs> but that's basically really it. I mean, that's, that's all there is to say about it. I mean, then, then you started seeing it in like, 
I mean, the list of things that it's in is pretty heavy duty and varied. So the Benny Hill show, of course, then it was in uh, Get a Life. And then strangely, the movie V for Vendetta, <laughs> it was in Doctor Who, it was in The Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park. And then prominently in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. <laughs> uh, then the Time Squad, Robot Chicken. And then also it was played, the theme was played during 2012 Olympics Beach Volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So somebody like used, put their life on the line and put everything else on hold so they could be an Olympic athlete. And somebody soundtracks your <laughs> athletic effort with yakini sacks. <laughs> I, I love that someone blows it. It's like match point and like the Germans are there and they're, they're serving. <laughs> and all of a sudden this comes up and he goes, was that yakini sacks? And the ball just hits him in the head and like, America wins. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it takes everyone's concentration away and just puts it in the toilet. <laughs> and then recently, uh, relatively recently, on uh, July 7th, 2022, the tune was played outside House of Parliament by anti-Brexit campaigner Stephen Bray upon the announcement by Boris Johnson that he was resigning as prime minister. <laughs> and this song was suggested by actor Hugh Grant. Uh, per- perfect. This is, and so, and did, it, did a lady run around in a police uniform and then all of her clothes came off and she, she had on guard see, belts? If there's one thing that can be, like like we were talking about with Ray, I was reminded, at the, I was shooting myself in the dick with this statement, but with Ray, I could think of, he reminded me right. of Naked Ladies. That's what now, this reminds me of. this yep. reminds me of Naked yep. Ladies. Yep, it does. But <laughs> can you imagine just like having anything but like, oh my God, reaction when this comes on? Like it's so, it's so loud. There's zero nuance and, and it's, and it's just uncomfortable. It's, it sounds like a rash, like something's like you've got some having a, uh, an allergic reaction to something. A rash. I like that you described it. This sounds like a rash. I love the way you said it was released. Like you're going to say like it was released like the Australian bullfrog and it ate swaths of the environment of the whole That's East right. Coast and they lost every it's chicory an invasive tree from species. here to Connecticut. <laughs> Where once there was care and artistic concern, this invasive species cruised exactly. in the, the and attached sacks. itself to boats and algae <laughs> And played bad saxophone. <laughs> Spread it throughout what? the eastern seaboard. That's quickly right. Into and Canada. it's all your fucking fault, Boots Randolph. <laughs> and can I, I'm interested, so Yakety Yak, I thought, has a lyrics in it. Yakety Yak, don't talk back. Don't right? talk right, back. Yeah. And but does, it's, so, there's a solo in it that King Curtis plays and that this guy is referencing for this. Okay, so why is there no lyrics in this? Because the Boots Randolph don't play like that. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't want anything getting in the way of oh, his the sweet yakety sax. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let the virtuoso be himself. <laughs> yeah, let boots be boots. Yeah. Okay, well, I just, most songs, you know, they have lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> not in the 60s, baby. I guess. I mean, but they did pop songs at lyrics. I mean, I, you know, it's not. Right, but this is pre, this is even pre um, Herb Alpert, where there was tons of uh, just. Uh, well, yeah, right, you know. yeah. Yeah, what right. year was this, did you say? 63. Um, another question. So was this an actual hit single? <laughs> yeah, it did very well commercially. Like, very well. That, but that means people bought it. Like, it's one thing. If it you was go, like well, a pop hit. Yeah. But, but like, the Beatles show up in America in, in six months from the date this was released. Then the bar got replaced. <laughs> Everything that needed to happen to be culturally significant, at least, you know, while they were around, while they were on watch. But it was just fucking garbage prior to their showing up for this chunk of time. 
I just thought of something, and it's dark, but I'm going to say it because my Gitmo bros are here. <laughs> Do you think, you know, in a tragedy plus time kind of way, given the year, that if you sped up the Zapruder film and put this to it, it would be funny? <laughs> you think that hasn't been done, George? <laughs> <laughs> All those guys eating a solemn steak <laughs> with, uh, yeah. with, with, the, with the yak on? The car driving real fast, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> on the way to Parkland. Hey, can we switch the fucking radio, please? <laughs> They turn the station and it's I am your robot. <laughs> God damn it. We cannot win today. How did we get to 1982? <laughs> All right. I knew we shouldn't have come to Dallas. <laughs> Just a few more fucking spins more on it. Like, this is more of a thing that had to happen after. I've been thinking about this ever since Damon railed on fucking saxophones and the fucking early parts of this podcast. For those yes. of you, those of you new loathers, you don't know this. But uh, we spent, you know, I don't know, a good 45 minutes with Damon telling us how much, uh, with very few exceptions, that sax has just ruined the 80s and, and most other times, too. And so I've been silently planning, <laughs> score be damned, I was going to play yakety sax, and I figured I was going to do it on episode 64, because, you know, why not? Why not? Why not? Sure, let's hear some more. And, and maybe, you know what, guys? And, and there's something of, of my little 13 year old mind and boner that thinks if we play that, that naked ladies are going to burst through this door being chased by policemen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting alone in my office, like, what's going on? What? Wait, what? <laughs> All right, here we go. Boots Randolph. <laughs> oh, God. That's like that sound effect from the streak, right? It is. <laughs> Sounds like a clarinet somehow too, or something. Like it didn't sound like a like a saxophone. That's boots, heart. baby. What's boots is what he does. What's aggravating me even more is like I'm picturing all the guys in the band laughing while they're recording this because they think it's so hilarious. Like especially when he does that, like, and like drummers is like losing it. Boots just did. <laughs> but then worse than that was when when they played it so many times, recorded so many times that they they get into a space where they're like, it's actually so fucking good, dude. It's tight. You know what I mean? Like it's fucking good. Like I'm all fucking kidding aside. I know we're all having fun. It was funny, fuck, yeah. but it's not now. Fuck, it's not fucking funny at all now. Listen to that. We're tighter than a can of assholes. Listen to that. <laughs> boots is wailing. Listen, you fucking chucking fucking boots. I would never tell him this to him. Look that tone. Fucking, fucking Tony's getting Randall. It's like you can hear it yakking, yakking in there. Makes me want to yak. <laughs> Gacking this <you>. yak. <laughs> all right, come on, Bootsy. Listen to the subtlety of this. I kind of like the polka thing that's happening on the... I was going to say, it's sped up polka. It's oompa music. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. And an odd choice. Very odd. There had to be people who, like, when no one else was home, and then they would secretly pull this record out and dance around. Like, there had to be people who liked it, right? Yeah, and who and who dance around with joy? Yeah, like that. It's not like it's not. This is funny. That's like we're saying. Like the guys that they've come so far on it that now they go like, no, this is fucking shit. Yeah, like the way people treat MacArthur Park. (laughs) You you have to be. You have to be at least partially nude and slapping your own ass if you're running around dancing (laughs) to this record right in your living room. Yeah, you have to. But like, I want to tell you, George, what isn't made better by fucking big titty women and and braziers? You know, like everything is. I'm your robot is <laughs> a picture of titty women 
is made better when more titty women show up. <laughs> and if this saxophone makes them do it, then you let him play, <laughs> yeah. Boot. You, you let him play. play. Get Boots in here. <laughs> it's like a terrible sketch where you just put a guy in a corner playing this over and over until it drives people crazy or big titty women show up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in Risky Business where they just keep coming in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many titty women in here. To do. Someone take off yakety sacks. There's too many titty women in here. <laughs> Boots. If someone's looking across the room and giving him the cut sign, like the neck sign. Boots. Yeah. Too many titty women. <laughs> now that I think about it, like yakety sacks is kind of like what what is going on at, when those those wacky Beatles moments happen in the now and then video. It's true. Yeah, the yeah. way they're dancing and everything—it's total. They're dancing the yakety sax in the middle of this this sad, <laughs> melancholy song. This that, mournful number, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mournful. John and George are playing yakety sax. Quite mournful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like whoever directed that video has got fucking shit for tone man. <laughs> I think it was Peter Jackson, actually. Yeah, Peach, come on, bro. Yeah, come on. Well, we saw what he did with those Hobbit movies, so I don't know. See, mm. yeah. So don't get me started on that happy horse shit. Sorry, New Zealand. Talking about your boy, but the guy's got to pull his shit together. Facts are facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's 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 got to be almost over, right? Well, it's forty. We're forty seconds in. <laughs> God, you're kidding me. No, and it's two minutes and four seconds. But he's already played the whole song. Aside from the <laughs> does he do anything different in the song? Yeah, yeah. He goes. There's another. Uh, like a bridge or something? Chunk. Sort of part. Yeah, yeah right. I remember from yeah, the credits yeah. of Benny Hill when they went too long. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me hear. Let me get to that part. I'll regret this, but let's get to that part. Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> let's listen to some more of Yakety Sax. Oh, they just changed the chord. And now he's mm-hmm. riffing. Real saxmen speak about that part. And they say Boots Randolph did it best. Everybody yeah. else is a fucking distant second. <laughs> you go you go to David Sanborn, you say, hey, can you do No? Then fuck off. Uh, all right. This is- It's hard to believe that the same instrument that can play like stormy weather <laughs> is also <laughs> playing that, this. Right. <laughs> By the way, guys, I hate to tell you, I, I looked down and my pants have come off. I don't know. I think it's a song. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> George is turning into a big titty woman. I'm just running around shirt cocking it around this whole fucking office. <laughs> Do you know anything about Boots Randolph? I mean... No. <laughs> Do you want to know anything about Bruce <laughs> Randolph? I, I don't know. Like, I, no, I don't. Not at all. I just, I was just wanted to sit there and marvel at him wearing his houndstooth coat and playing this, and he's got the yeah, I did it. Right. Look on his face. Is he white or black? Cover. It could go any way with that name. <laughs> uh, he's, he's he's a honky. Yeah. So, uh, Okay. Hope you're sitting down. Right. The guy who did this, who played Yakety Sax, is <laughs> white guy. Yeah. Picture the guy that your dad had to drop by his office. And and pick up some insurance forms. That's so Mr. the guy. McCavendish? Yeah, right. <laughs> when when Mr. McCavendish is having an at ease weekend and invites the whole uh, marketing team down to his cabin, yeah. 
this comes on and he thinks it's really like letting his hair down. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he does after some, uh, after three fifths of cutty gets into it. Yeah. This is, this is not funny. <laughs> I mean, in other words, like it's supposed to be funny and it, we're only like a barely a minute into the song. Mount Rushmore has, has a funnier face on than I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's possibly the slowest two minutes. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> they change keys too you gotta have a lot of fucking balls to stop and come back right in the in in, in the ys dude yeah you finally made come people on. happy with the song by stopping and then right back in <laughs> and do you think that any of the other players said Hey, Boots, do you think one time you don't do the growl into it? <laughs> Just hit it. <laughs> yeah, sounds real good. <laughs> I guess not. I guess the answer is no. Why don't you just tell Picasso not to use paint? <laughs> Would you ask gold to not have heft? <laughs> you know, just for me, tr- try it without out, out the growl one time. Nope, <laughs> nope. He's shaking Fuck his head. Off. He's just shaking his head in the in the in the room in the recording room. Just nope. <laughs> you, just, you know, he goes. I got you. I got you this time. I got you. I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> While he's fingering it, he's also giving you the finger through the glass. <laughs> boots you know how like a little kid will do something funny right and then it's cute and funny and then you laugh a couple times but then they're still like getting high on their own supply because they they want oh yeah and they need more of that and then you're chuckling just a courtesy and then you just want to punch him in the face that's boots and his growl in sax note right that's life that's life with boots i think too <laughs> and that it takes approximately 48 seconds to you take that trip from it's cute mm. to wanting to punch him in the face. It takes 48 seconds. It's in, in real time. In real 48, time. Seconds. 48 seconds. <laughs> oh, for the record, on this album, because I'm looking at the album cover on the, from, mm-hmm. you know, the, the video, he does some other kind of standards like smoke gets in your eyes and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear that. Like that tempo. But there's another one on here called Cackling sax. Yeah. Yeah. Did you check that one out, Aaron? No. Oh. <laughs> no. No. Cackling no, sax. <laughs> Cackling sax. I like Lonely Street. It's like, of course you are, <laughs> Boots. <laughs> you know what was not happening in this room is chicks. Right. <laughs> Nary a chick. And no chick ever liked this, by the way, ever, either. No, you know, that's no the way. bitter irony is that it's synonymous with uh, breastuses running around and not one woman has ever liked it. No. Even Mrs. McCavendish, especially Mrs. McCavendish. Oh, no. She, like, puts, like, paper towels in her ears. Like, she just doesn't. She just <laughs> doesn't. God damn it. Yeah, she knows it's time to go to bed when Carl pulls this out of the sleeve and drops it on the on the yeah, record player. Yeah. She's like, all right. She's, she's putting her cold cream on and her <laughs> curlers in her hair. Like, he's going to be up for a while. <laughs> she hears him just, like, humming it. And, like, he, you, she's, like, clocking it. There he goes. He's walking to the... To the carousel set, he's pick it, and he's all, 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 oh, the, all the record fell out. It's rolling around on the thick carpet. He's picking oh, it up. Oh he, oh, he hit his head <laughs> on the crystal set. Oh, God damn it. 
God. <laughs> he accidentally put on crackling sacks first, and he's going to scratch the needle, and, oh, this is Jack. And he's like, <laughs> now he's chicken dancing. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sometimes he just gives up. I like picturing her finally falling asleep. Because she thinks the song's <laughs> over, but it, it's that stop. And then it's... <laughs> she bolts awake. Just <laughs> loads a revolver, puts it to her head. <laughs> she hustles the kids into the car and drives away in the dead of night. You've got to get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your father's gone around the bend. All right, are we done with this or what? Yeah. It's 129. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's it. Please say yes. <laughs> no, we're done. We're done. <laughs> All right. Well, I have some deciding to do here. Yeah. I have, I am your robot man. Is it I'm your robot or I'm your robot man? <laughs> I'm your robot man. I'm your robot man by Elton John and Bernie Taupin. <laughs> and then we've got Boots Randolph with Yakety Sacks. The one time I might want to hear some Bernie Toppin lyrics, maybe, would have been over Yakety Sax. Sure. sure. <laughs> Good luck finding a space, you know, to add something. Well, let's see. Yakety Sax has probably done more societal damage. I mean, just clearly, right? Everyone's heard the song. It's everywhere. Time. And as you're, you're saying, like, cross-generationally been played on TV yeah. shows up to the present day, right? Yeah. yeah. It's really just kind of like this through line of of garbage for for decades yes. um and then we've got elton and bernie and their like coke fueled travesty <laughs> um let's see what am i what am i feeling here you know what there's some sort of like bizarre not unlike the streak and aaron's logic behind that you can get some <laughs> derive some sort of pleasure just to make fun of yakety sacks that <laughs> elton john elton john song was disturbing it was joyless too. Yeah, and he didn't want to be there. You know, no one. Everyone just wanted to be in the in the control room with a good coke. And uh, Yakety Sax is sort of like stupid <laughs> but harmless. I think I'm a robot man, or I'm your robot man, or whatever it's called. Is is kind of like it's it's angry. That it's like yeah. AI is taking over and writing Elton John songs. Right. You know, right. that would be the AI version of of it. And it's just it's a it's a world that I don't want to live in. I guess is my point. <laughs> <laughs> like boobies falling out of dresses. I want to live in that world. I don't want to live in the Elton John robot world. So the same AI that separated the piano from the voice for the Beatles is, uh, is creating now is in its hubris is also creating Elton John songs that shouldn't have ever existed. Right. <laughs> well, boots Randolph would be happy to hear you say that a real feeling of vindication for boots. Well, all right. So there you go, George. Congratulations for, for spoiling my evening. Thank you. <laughs> I'm yeah. the shitty. Happy Thanksgiving! The winner takes it Boots, 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 falling out of dresses. You snooze your boots. Roll, you snooze bots, your boots. Roll, bots, <laughs> Zip it, Bernie. Zip it, Bernie. <laughs> coke, coke, coke. <laughs> good coke, good coke. <laughs> all right. So there you go, boys. That was um, torture as usual. Lived up to the name. Barely shit was. <laughs> oh my god, it was killing me. I'm gonna need <laughs> some help from our friend Majel to kind of transition us Magil, from please. out of the torture chamber and into the the sorbet. 
And uh, let's see. I get, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Aaron, our, our senses of humor are so fucking identical that I can't remember who wrote, who did each clip. <laughs> I want to play one of yours now, but I can't, I don't remember which ones you did and which ones I did. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I think this one's yours. All right, take it away, Majel. Sorbet. It's the wood that makes it good. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you majel and uh now here we are in the sorbet thank god (laughs) i want to take you guys back to a little year that we know as 1986 Uh uh-oh more cocaine (laughs) (laughs) there might have been some involved but uh, what's funny is like we, we have this theory, and by we I mean me, about how music just starts to fall off a cliff in the 80s as, as the decade progresses. But, uh, and this one was from 86, but here's the weird thing. I always thought this song was from like 81, but it turns out it came out in 1986. So these guys were almost like pursuing a style of music that wasn't no one was really doing anymore. But I don't care. Sounds good to me. And let me send you guys some lyrics from this song because I like them a lot. And I'm even going to tell you what it is. And you guys can tell me if you know it. Have you guys ever heard of a band called The House Martins? Hell yeah. I have. Oh, okay. So maybe you do know this song. Do you know their songs? Mm, No. Not offhand. But I would use that as a uh, proof of how much I know about the 80s. I would use that in a list of bands that are not widely known, but I would use it and then Pressed for more information, I wouldn't have any. You know, I'm into like Boots Randolph, the House Martins, you know. Are you into Boots? Yeah. (laughs) Boots and the Martins. Only the early stuff, though. I don't like the later stuff. Post-86, fuck (laughs) them. Yeah, he sold out. So this is a House Martin song. I'll tell you more about them. I'll tell you more about the song. And uh, I'm sending you lyrics right now. And the song is called Happy Hour. You guys know this one? I do. do. Is there a cover version of this that I know? Yeah, you know what I think? uh, Well, you know what? Bare Naked Ladies sang a little part of the song in one of their songs. I feel like I know it somewhere else. It also sounds like what the Libertines became. Oh. Like this could be on Up the Bracket or whatever that record was called. This sounds like a a shambly version of this would sound like them. It's very cool. So, George, you've heard this song before. I have. It sounds. It sounds very familiar. So yeah, I. I when I, I'm waiting for the chorus, but I, this sounds very familiar. Yeah, the chorus is fantastic. So they're about to yeah. go into the bridge, or the, I guess the pre-chorus, and then uh, and then you you might recognize the chorus. Here we go. It sounds like this sounds like a squeeze song too. Like this sounds a lot like Glenn uh, Tilbrook. So it could be a squeeze song. Oh yeah, right. Or haircut one hundred. Or yeah, um, absolutely the jam. The jam. Mm-hmm. Totally, <laughs> totally the jam. But style yeah. council. Yes. Yep. Right. And so you guys see what I mean by how it sounds like it could be from nineteen eighty one. It right. does. I, I can't believe eighty six sounds too late. Yeah, it sounds too late for this. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm glad they did put it out, and it ended up being a, a hit in England. So huzzah. But uh, 
I learned this song for a band. I talked about my friend Pete in an earlier uh, episode, and mm. he, the guy from from London. And uh, we were in a band called Twig and the Berries. Great act. And uh, <laughs> we did all British stuff from the 60s all the way through at the time, the 90s, like through Oasis. And anything in between from the Beatles and Kinks and Who all the way up to, you know, Oasis and Blur and whatever. And then, you know, The Clash and Queen and, you know, whatever. And this was one of the songs we did. This is when I first heard it. And so I just never looked into it other than loving it and playing it once in a while. And then I and I thought when I was researching it, I went, 86? That doesn't make any sense, you know? It doesn't. Yeah. So anyway, it's because at this point, everything was getting electronic, you know? Even bands that weren't electronic were getting electronic and, and with fake drums and everything. And, and uh, you see these guys live. I, I watched some live footage from them in this era doing it. And it just sounds just like this. They're so good. Um, but let's carry on. Yeah, please. Do you know what I think I remember it from, Damon? Is I think that there was a, I feel like REM did a version of it on like a, a fan club record or something where they were doing wild, weird covers. And I think that they did this. I could see that. It, yeah, if it wasn't REM, it was somebody covered it and maybe even slowed it down or something right right maybe yeah and i really like it it really it's really like i I like i fucking love haircut 100 and all those bands we were just talking about so this fits right perfectly into my life yeah another sound that they that they're going for and maybe not the style necessarily but the but the sound of the band is very smiths totally jangly guitar oh yeah right and the three-piece guys and and then the lead singer by himself so yeah I love that harmony that the that he's doing. I think on the recording he does it with himself, but live the drummer does the harmony and nails it. You know, this was kind of a crummy live recording. You could tell the guy's like right on pitch and hitting all the notes and everything. Um, and speaking of this drummer, I want to throw him some props because he, uh, God, why didn't he put his name in here? I, I, it's Hugh something. I'll, I'll look it up, but so jealous of this drumming because when I used to play it with the cover band, I wouldn't even bother going for those eighth notes. You know, that, that's how, how fast he's playing. Um, he's swinging, but playing pretty straight eight notes i mean it's like a very fast tempo and i would just do the quarter notes because <laughs> there's no way i was yeah, going to do right. that and, and swing at the same time but this guy does it live he's hitting harmonies and so I, i'm just very jealous of that style the dave hemingway no that's the guy who joined like an album later ah. it was hugh something i think hugh house martin <laughs> hugh, hugh whitaker hugh whitaker hugh yeah there you go also interesting note about the bass player, who's also swinging a lot. He's got some really nice lines in here. Um, he became a fat boy slim. Oh. I think his name is Norman Cook or something. So uh, Paul Heaton and uh, another guy, I guess that guy, Dave, Dave, Dave Hemingway, went on to become the uh, Dave Hemingway's the drummer. Yeah. 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 He, those two split off and did the Beautiful South, which is another popular English band that we don't really oh, yeah. know too much about yeah. them here. And then the bass player became uh, Fatboy Slim. So even after the House Martins split, they still were carrying on. And I also like the fact that they just seem like nice, fun guys. If you watch this video, 
the sort of nature of these lyrics are about kind of describing what was going on in the 80s. And a lot of it was going on here in the U.S. and probably also under Thatcher it was going on, too. It was like a lot of rich douchebag yuppies, you know, kind of like greed is good kind of thing. And so this whole song is about having to go out to happy hour with your boss and just like being misogynistic and and just being an idiot and getting drunk and, you know, just being one of those 80s douchebags like every every 80s uh bad guy in, in those teen movies and everything right. oliver peebles glasses yeah <laughs> right and so in the video they play themselves just as a band and they're also like play some of those douchebags that, that go in there they're all kind of lascivious and girls are walking by and they're licking their chops and they seem like really funny likable guys and they're dancing kind of funny and kind of a madness vibe to them right um but then the, the other half of the video is for whatever reason, back in the eighties, they used to have, like get all kinds of like bad claymation shit going on and everything. If you remember, oh yeah, right, yeah. And it was like claymation, and and that's what is in here. It's just a bunch of stupid, you know, Play-Doh figures acting out these some of these scenes. It's just so dumb. <laughs> like and, Mr. And, Bill, yeah, like Mr. Bill kind of characters. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, it was like almost like when we were watching that Simple Minds video that Aaron played a couple weeks ago. Watching these guys is so cool. They're 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 fun to watch. They're you know they're compelling to look at. And then they just have some dumb girl walking around taking pictures. <laughs> yeah, doing a cutaway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's the same thing with this one, where you know these guys are so funny and, and interesting to watch, and they're you know they're doing this choreographed dancing that's that's really interesting. And then they just cut to these these dumb Mister Bill characters. I don't know. It's weird. It was the same thing with like. If anyone goes back and watches like the You Might Think video by the Cars or the Dire Straits Money for Nothing video with the shittiest animation you've ever seen. And even even then, it wasn't that impressive. It was cutting edge then, though. <laughs> I guess. But you, looked, might think was a, you might think was a big deal with that fly and everything. I guess. But even as a kid, I just thought, this is dumb. I'd rather just watch the Cars play, you know? <laughs> and then there's also those, those puppets like on the Genesis video and everything. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. A lot of bad <laughs> video decision making going on there but anyway so these guys are really seem really cool and really fun the, yeah the song was about uh having to go out to happy hour with your boss even though you don't want to and you have to pretend like you're having fun so i, I it's a really interesting angle to come from writing a song you know it is it's an interesting i would never i'm reading it now i did but yeah i didn't know that before. yeah i think that's it's really cool Um, so let's carry on and listen to this groove and listen to the, the harmonies are really good. And Paul Heaton is one of those kind of, the, the lead singer is kind of, uh, one of those blue eyed soul singers, you know, like, uh, covered a lot of soul song, like 60 soul songs and everything. And the beautiful South had a couple, couple hits that they covered other people's stuff, I believe. So anyway, here we go. Where they open all the wallets and they close all the mines and they love to buy you all a drink. And as we ask all the questions, and you take all your clothes up and back to the kitchen sink. What a good place to be. Don't believe her. Cause you speak a different language and it's never really hard to me. Don't believe her. Oh no. Cause it's never been hard for me. Yeah, you can tell even in this kind of like swingy, punky song, he's still got that those beautiful pipes. He does, yeah. It really sounds like a bare naked lady song, huh? Like, yeah, yeah, like they their totally entire really thing. influenced by them or something. <laughs> their entire thing was ripped, ripped this? from the yeah, song. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it never occurred to me, but like, yeah, this no. is well, this is it. This is what we do. This is a blueprint. <laughs> Only Canadian. Right, exactly. You go over to the bare naked lady's house and there's just house martin posters everywhere. <laughs> like standees, there's everything. You're like, oh, 
right. How come I didn't realize it? Fucking guns. You guys right. are the fucking Canadian house martins. <laughs> you could have done a lot worse, bare naked ladies. That's right. Uh, and by the way, house martin is a. I thought it was like a butler or something, but it's a it's a type of bird. It's a bird. Oh, a swallow, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, here we go. What a good place to be. Don't believe I speak a different language and it's never really happened to me. Don't believe I hold on, cause it's never been happened to me. Reminds me of fucking uh, the uh, Joe Boxers. Yeah. Joe's gone lucky. Right, right, right. Oh, right, yeah. It's yeah, got that right. same kind of super fun vibe that seems very retro as well. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, again, you're naming all bands that are all from the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know how these guys squeaked in at the last second, but uh, I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. They they had a bunch of hits um, in England, as I said, and hit albums and singles. And then their biggest hit, was um, an acapella cover of Caravan of Love, which Aaron's buddies, the Isley Brothers, wrote the previous year in mm. 85. Parenthetical thought, you know, our our, our pals, uh, the Brits, you know, they, they've got many kind of atrocities to account for and to be ashamed of over the years. But caring about if a song is number one during Christmas is probably somewhere near the top of the horrible things that the British. It's a weird saw. fixation. Yeah, yeah. And so their caravan of love was one of those number one Christmas hits and everyone was all excited about it. Right. Oh, wow. Stop doing that. Please. My limey friends. <laughs> limey. <laughs> Fucking limey. <laughs> I mean, you can give us the house Martins, which is beautiful. And then you give us caring about a Christmas number one hit. It does, it does, and John Pickles. I care about <laughs> Christmas so much. Yeah, the only reason we're not enraged at John Pickles is we feel like somebody is bossing John around. Like somebody's forcing him to make bad decisions. <laughs> Left to his own devices, I like to believe that John Pickles would come up with cool things. He just can't. <laughs> He's locked in the machine. There's too much pressure. I can't stand it. <laughs> I fold. I fold under pressure. <laughs> I just want to be liked. <laughs> I, want to, <laughs> I want to be liked, don't I? <laughs> What's so wrong with being liked? I want to be yell at me. Loved. Stop yelling at John Pickles. <laughs> I want to be celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this has like less than 30 seconds. Here we go. Cool. I just bought both of their records. So everyone else should do the same thing. <laughs> it's fucking fun as hell. It is. I've listened to a couple of their other songs and they're good. I just, that's just one of my favorite pop tunes of all time. It's very sweet. It's great. You know, you know what I really love about the eighties, what it, what it made me feel was that it made me think all my friends that were mods, you know, yeah. and ska guys and all that and road scooters and et cetera. And that, you know, I was a rocker, so I wasn't supposed to like them, but you know, we were friends and everything. But it's just that even through all my 
tenure at the Troubadour and the Motley Cruz and Betsy Bitch and all the you know <laughs> things I saw at that place that still somehow all this made it through to me. And I love this song and I love this kind of music when you, you know, K-Rock and all that really seeped into me, even though I didn't even actively try to go even find it. But just riding in a car with your mod friends, you heard this and it stayed yeah. with you. And that's something great about the 80s. Yeah, if you were smart, too, like, you said, you could be around a bunch of dudes who fucking like to, you know, rock and stuff. But, like, girls like to drive to the beach and listen to K-Rock. So, yes, what right. are you doing by not doing that? You know, <laughs> I guess you're not interested. That's fine, too. But if you want to be around that, you're going to hear that. If you want to ride in a white convertible rabbit, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cabriolet. <laughs> All day. Change out of your spandex and, and put your eyes out on and hop in with the gals in the car. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell but I love that about yes. the 80s that all this, I, I like all this. And- now, George, were, did you have to kind of keep that secret around your metal buddies or was everyone cool with you liking all kinds of music? No, I feel like everybody did then. I mean, some I mean, some of the metal guys were like that, but I think everyone liked all kinds of music then. And even if you even you pretended like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. But how do you... I, I hate people that do that. Like, I didn't even listen to Beat It ever. How's it possible? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, there were, there were definitely Heshers who like, they hated anything except metal, you know? Right. And you, but you, if you were alive, then you heard all this music. Yeah. Especially if you're in California, like in Southern California, specifically here. Like, it, and I, I, I didn't only have metal friends, of course, but, but I do love that about the 80s and that a sound like that, I, this, like this, I've forgotten about brings me right back to it, like discussed, uh, with all the other 80 songs of this period of this kind of music that we've that we've played in the sorbet. Yeah, yeah, that's we've probably made this point before, but that's one of the greatest things about growing up in the 80s is like the top 40 was good. You didn't just have to go to K-Rock, which was the alternative station. You could listen to top 40 radio alongside K-Rock and be perfectly satisfied with what you were getting. I mean, off the top of my head, in any given year, you could be hearing... Bruce Springsteen, next to Madonna, next to Michael Jackson, next to Prince, next to The Police. TFF. Next to uh, Depeche Mode. I mean, Next to Quiet Riot, next to Def Leppard. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was all good. You were like, okay, this is this is cool. You know, even like McCartney was still having hits. And you would even get like the random Yes song or something, like Owner of a Lonely Heart. Like, it was, right. it was yeah. weird, a weird mix, but like it didn't throw anybody off. You were just like, you just liked the song. You know? Yeah, and it's yeah. weird too to have like your favorite band. Like it was fucked up to have my favorite bands being the biggest bands in the world. Like when when the police, when Synchronicity came out, or when fucking Kick came out, it was it was a mind fuck. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, hardcore. Yep. Good so times. there you go. House Martins Happy Hour, nineteen eighty six. I love it. The eighties rule. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you for being here, Gitmos. Indeed. Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Thank you for saving us from that. Was some rough fucking that yakety sex, Aaron. That really was a bold fucking move. <laughs> really oh God, was it was killing me. Fucking bad. <laughs> One of my favorite moments on this show is imagining him trying to drunkenly put the, get the record on and his wife in the bed. <laughs> oh my God. All right, so there you go. Episode 64. Um, I'll play it again. What the hell? When I'm 64. <laughs> I think maybe you don't know, too, that, that when I'm in seventh grade, I'm in, uh, I'm in boys' chorus. I've told this before. 
And that th- those are the two songs we learned, Eleanor Rigby and When I'm 64. Oh, wow. <laughs> those were the fir- that was the first time, you know, I sang and whatever and, you know. <laughs> I don't know about Aaron, but I, this is the first time hearing you were in a boy's chorus. Yeah, well, you had to take a music class in, yeah. you know, in in junior high. And so everyone took boys chorus B or whatever it's called. And I, so either I that or boys. play the fucking recorder. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Or so, yeah. And so you <laughs> did, everyone did that. We, we took, uh, we, I, I took boys chorus and we did when I'm 64 and, um, Elder Rigby. And we made, and that was so exciting because every year, you know, they made an album. Like, and I used to, I don't have it anymore. I should have kept it, but it was, you know, the David Starr Jordan, you know, 1978 choruses. And it was all the choruses. It was girls chorus. It was boys. It was the ninth graders that their voices had changed and they were called madrigals, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was a whole album. So I'm like, you you walk around like, this is my album. Here's me singing when I'm 64. Check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Like they did a limited pressing of probably whatever. And you sold them to your, you know, to your, you made your mom buy one and, you know. All that <laughs> kind of my introduction to the Beatles in a way, I guess, was when I'm 64. Yeah, and I like that go. better than Eleanor Rigby. I don't know why, but I liked them both. But Eleanor Rigby, I think we were better at when I'm 64 because it was it was more fun. Yeah, it's definitely a more <laughs> fun song. Other yeah. than the, the spinster yeah. dying in the other song, you know. Yeah, right. When I was in uh, high school, I was in in the band, and they made us learn yakety sax. <laughs> so I quit band. <laughs> so, 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 cut to David on the roof with a rifle and a saxophone. <laughs> what happened here? Yeah, they made him made him rehearse yakety sax five times. He's on the fucking. He's in the stadium. <laughs> All right, what a glorious episode number sixty four. So many Gitmo episodes to choose from. Oh boy. And now you can add another one to your list. And thank you for listening. Thanks to my Gitmo bros for being here. We continue to be the number one rockers forever. And please don't forget that. And I guess until next time, we will see you and talk to you later, boys. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ear and loathing. He will be thrown out of the window and into our living room. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I'm, I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next time for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye. Goodbye.